Thank you for Victor Lord. He's our man. We just ask you to bless him as he speaks this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I will try to keep this short. I've got 10 minutes. Don't start me yet. I'm still introducing myself. I'll try, I'll try to make it a briefing. I get flashbacks sometimes. It's been a while since I've been in front of people. So if I start using lingo you don't understand, just raise your hand. My voice getting a little, a little bit of hoarse too, you don't count. My voice a little hoarse too because the, the worship up there was so strong, it really kind of caused us to, or caused me to come out a little further than I'm used to. So now I'm, I'm hoarse. I'm not used to it. So I'll do the best I can. Uh, I want to talk about a little bit about God's goodness. I think we just experienced it just now. And the best way to, to really kind of go about God's business, how good God is, is to look at what's going on individually in our lives. So I could tell you some things sometimes, but you won't feel the same as if you go through it yourself. Then when we start talking together, we all both have a, a testimony to give each other. We build up off of each other. But we got to have something to, to start with first, and I believe everybody does. So I'll go over just a little bit real quick. All right, 11.50, here we go. God gives me lots of dreams, and uh, some of you have heard some of my dreams I've had. Uh, come from Maryland, uh, when we got here, I was trying to acquire some additional resources for my uh, financial endeavors. Uh, and no one that can do pretty good with that, find a job. But at some point, God started blocking me from getting where I was trying to do, and I'm not used to this. Even in the military, you know, they teach us, you know, if you've got a wall here, you're getting over that wall one way or another. It's either above it, below it, beside it, or through it, but you're not going to stay there. And so kind of some things in my life have been that way where if things have come up, I just find a way around it. I do not stop until I get the answer or get the ending result I'm looking for. It's all good until you get God as the wall. Then you're not going anywhere. And I mean kicking and screaming and clawing, whatever. But in God's goodness, God gave me a dream. And in the dream, I was working at Food Lion, but I couldn't find my instruments. Guitars, trumpets, I couldn't find nothing. I couldn't find it stuff. But yet I was in Food Lion. And when I woke up, I believe, the, I believe the Lord told me, if you keep going after these resources, you're going to lose worship. Now, I thought God was saying he was going to take it from me. So I got really down. I'm like, God, this is not fair. You're you going to make me put myself on the cross and my family. And I was really, I mean, it hit me pretty hard. I mean, I'm thinking about this. Yeah, food be my, my, my provision and resources. <clears throat> but I felt like, God, I'm young, by my standards, I'm young, and I've got so much going that I can, I can get accomplished anything I need to get accomplished. And you're not letting me do this. And so I was really kind of upset with the Lord about this for, it's been about a year almost. And uh, just recently, God revisited me on that dream. And God was telling me, he said, you know, Victor, it wasn't that I was going to take the gifts I've given you of music and worship and those things, because God gives gifts without repentance. But he said, what Satan was trying to do is draw me further out from him, un un away from his anointing and covering and blessings and all the things he had me doing so far out that by the time I understood what was happening, I would be drowned. Satan was trying to get me away from God. Satan was trying to take away or steal the things that God gave me he was trying to take it away from me. So if you go back to Adam and Eve, kind of a thing. Uh, you know, devil, he tricked Adam and Eve out of, out of their 
inheritance at that moment. That moment, they were living high, mighty, and great. But then they allowed Satan to draw them away from God. Jesus, when he came and he was uh, fasting and praying, came off the mountain, or as he was still there, the devil visited him, and, he, and the devil tempted the Jesus uh, three different times. He tried to steal the things God was blessing Jesus with. And Jesus said, no, we can't go this way. I'm going to go the way of God. So the, the devil never stops trying to cheat us and trick us out of the things God has for us. That's nothing new. And so God was telling me it wasn't me that I was going to take from you. It was the enemy trying to lure you away from me. And I was trying to warn you in this dream of what he was doing. So I had to come clean and ask God for forgiveness. Like, God, I'm sorry. It's my fault that, you know, I got all huffy and puffy and, and upset wanting to get where I wanted to go, but I didn't realize God was protecting me with this dream. That's how compassionate and loving God really is. He could take it away. You know, we're bad enough on our own that God can really take away everything and be justified, but he doesn't do that. God loves us. And in the midst of our craziness and all our mess-ups, he still tries to protect us to protect that which he gave us so that it would have the result he wants to have in us all the way through our life, not just for the moment, but the whole thing. Our job is to stay close to God so we can keep experiencing God's goodness. Like a tree planted along the rivers and the waters, you stay replenished, you stay refreshed. We're going to go through hard times. That's just the way it is. But I guess the bottom line of the outcome is, is are we going to go through it by ourselves or are we going to walk it through with God these hard times? If you look back at your life, I mean, if you look back at your life, you know the things that you've done to not deserve anything from God. Zero. We came into the world that way, really. But as we come to understand things, we realize the things we've done, the mistakes we've made, things we've said, all those things merited God taking away anything good from our life. But he hasn't. He still gives to us on a continue. Every day we wake up, he's given to us. If you think you're waking up on your own, you're mistaken. It's not you opening your eyes. That's God opening your eyes. That breath you're breathing, that's not yours. It's God's breath you're breathing. It's been that way since the beginning. We have to relook at things properly. We're looking at things wrong. We're, we're looking at things as if we are in control of things or we're doing this and that, but it really is not. It really is not. If you sit and understand how fragile we are, we are if you go outside right now in the street and let a car hit you, I guarantee you it's going to hurt. You're probably going to die. We're fragile beings. We are not all of that. But God, when he's with us, we are all of that because God is with us. So just think about your life and the goodness that God has done in your life, and that is your testimony. Think about the many things that God's done, but it's, it's hard for me to explain it to you unless you have some yourself. Then when we talk about it, we encourage each other off what we're giving to each other. And it's not just talk, it's the real thing. It's a real spiritual exchange. So think about your life and think about at least one thing apart from the salvation God's given us, think about one thing that God has really done in your life that you know for sure if God had not done something to help, it would have been lights out for you. That's God's goodness. And from that God's goodness, you keep thinking about God's goodness, and it keeps your mind right with God. Don't think about what didn't happen. 
or don't think about what somebody else did. Think about what God did individually for you. So when someone gives a testimony, it reignites your own testimony about what God did in your own life. That's where I get energy from. I hear people talk about their testimony, things that God did for them. That gets me excited. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So God's goodness is every day, every single day. Turn the news off, turn the radio off, turn all these things off, and turn on your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is telling you. I'm telling you the devil is trying to steal. You almost got me. Travis had to tell me. Travis, Travis had some dreams about me. He kept trying to tell me, God wants you to be still and, and stop doing stuff. I'm thinking I am. He's like, no, you're not. You're still doing things. So God was so trying to reach me, he went outside of my arena to bring someone to me to tell me the same thing he was telling me in the dream. That's how God loves us. That's the relationship God has. He's not somewhere far away where you can't see or hear him. He is right here. And it's so crazy he got another person. I mean... Do you remember a story about the donkey in the Bible that spoke? God was trying to stop. Who was that? Do you know the name? He was trying to stop this dude from going and prophesying that the donkey had to speak to the prophet dude and tell him, why are you kicking me? We're not going any further. Dude's like, why am I not going any further? Because you're about to get killed. Both of us are about to get killed. So God is trying to reach us. Pay attention to what God is saying. Listen to what the Lord is doing acknowledge what God is doing in your life. Let those things come out of your mouth. Your testimony. Let those things come out. All right, I'm done. Wow, wow, that was an eight-minute talk, bro. <laughs> How many of y'all know Vic? An eight-minute talk when he has ten minutes is a miracle. <laughs> Y'all just experienced, we got knees healed and Vic talking for eight minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. Is there anything on here? All right. Never mind. No, that one's tangled. Sorry. Good morning. It's so good to be with you all. When I started, uh, when we started praise and worship this morning, it was me here and maybe like three people behind me. So when I turned around, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> this is great. That's good, man. Thanks. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, my name's Joshua. For those of you who don't know me, I've been coming here for, I don't know, 12, 13 years for a while. And, uh. My wife, Brittany, is in the back with the children. She oversees our children's ministry. I oversee our worship ministry here. And from time to time, they let me speak. No, they always ask me to. I always say no. So I feel like uh, I do have a word to share with us today. Um, the Lord started speaking it to me, I don't know, a week or two ago. And I have this tendency to, to get this really cool idea and start, you know, knowing it's the Lord. But then, I don't know, I've always struggled with influence. And I, there's something, as soon as I step up here and get a microphone, and there's this influence of being able to speak to you all, I start 
stepping out into all these good ideas and all these cool things, but not really how it all started, which was just me in the early morning before my kids woke up in scripture and hearing the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. So I just want to pray for a minute that I would just stay in the sweet gentleness of the Holy Spirit, that I would speak what the Father has on his heart today. So if you would just join with me, I would appreciate that. Father, I come to you today thanking you that your word is life. I thank you that Jesus, you said that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Today, I pray that what I share, I pray, Lord, that what we share would be life that it would provoke, that it would encourage, that it would stir, that it would do everything that you intend for your word to do in your people, in me. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at two, uh, two scriptures today, but they're two scriptures and they seem like they're telling the same story. And even as I got into this, I was sharing it with uh, Paul Travis and uh, Lonnie Monday. It's the story where Jesus goes in and overturns the tables. You guys know this story? And this isn't part of the message, but I thought it was kind of cool because this is just how being in relationship and community is. There are some that believe that Jesus only, that the, that the gospel is only tell of one time where Jesus goes into the temple and changes over money, you know, turns over tables and empties all that. And they're just told from, you know, they're just not chronologically in the book. But there's other idea that both these stories happened and it was two different experiences, one early in Jesus's ministry and then one towards the end of his ministry. I am of the camp that it's two separate times that Jesus went in and turned things over and cleansed the temple. Paul is like, I'm not really sure. He, you know, how many of you all know that me, Travis, and Paul are different? <laughs> I got two hands back at the back from one of their wives who's not up on the front row. <laughs> We're different. And I love that. So we found that out a couple years ago. We went snowboarding together. We're very different, not just on the mountain snowboarding, but we remember we got in a little heated discussion one night about God storms versus devil storms. You guys remember that? Maybe you do not. And, and it, was, it was a little heated and we were just, but that is what, that is what being in community and relationship is like. And never once did that cause us to be like, oh man, I can't believe Paul thinks this story happened just one time. Man, he's such an analytical man. Forget it. Come on, no. I love the way he thinks and the way he processes and the way that he challenges Travis and I, who both happen to be right about this particular thing. <laughs> yeah. But that's the point. You're going to bump it. This past week, I was um, still haven't gotten to my message, but, but Vic gave me two extra minutes. So thank you, Vic. <laughs> This past week, I was uh, teaching at a youth camp, 
And I was, the, I was directing a band called Praise Band. It was cool. I got to teach these younger kids from fifth grade to 15 uh, how, to cre- how to come together as a praise band. And I was partnered with another gentleman who was more practical and analytical and all about the structure. And I'm like teaching them like the Hebrew words for praise and how to, you know, tehillah and all these, you know, deep spirit. Let's just go for it. Let, this, let the unrehearsed song come out of you. I was, and, and you could just tell. He was like, well, can I interject something? And, and oh, well, you know, I love your passion, brother, but let me tell you something. <laughs> and it was amazing. And at the end of that class, I did the same thing. I said, hey, kids, you guys, re- you guys realize me and Mr. Kirk are a little bit different? They're like. <laughs> and that's amazing. And I said, different isn't wrong. We both love Jesus. We both want to praise him. And when we come together, his and it was a beautiful experience. Those kids led the camp and the adults in Waymaker. And it was powerful to see it all come together. So this is an encouragement to you all. When you're in this body, when you're in any body, you're going to bump into people different. You're going to bump into people who might sharpen you the wrong way. <laughs> but they're sharpening you. And I love that about what I read in Scripture where the disciples had those moments where they were rubbing each other the wrong way. The moments where Jesus says something absolutely crazy and they got a chance to look at each other and be like, did he just say feed 5,000 people with this? Like, they had those moments. Y'all need those moments with each other. Y'all need to wrestle through some stuff. Hey, I was reading something in the Scripture. Can you believe that the Lord wants me to turn my cheek? How many times have you turned your cheek? I've, I've done it like three times. I felt good. And he was like, no. Like, we need to be able to look into each other's eyes and feel that tension that is what the gospel, what that is community. And we need to learn how to work together because on the other side of that conflict is a deeper, richer, intimate relationship with one another. We've got to do that. I, I had a chance to do that. I thought I was past it. And lo, lo and behold, the Lord set me up with these two and the guy over at the camp this week. And I was thanking him for it because I know when there's conflict, there's also an opportunity to fight. You know, Ephesians says fight to preserve the unity of spirit. Isn't that good? It was an opportunity to fight. So even as I was preparing and thinking about this message, there was a, a slight theological disagreement. And it's okay. It's okay to disagree. But it's not okay to permanently disengage and get offended and bitter and run away. Disagree, but don't disown each other. Fight. Fight for this beautiful unity of spirit that we have. Okay. Now my message, here we go. I want us to look at two chapters. We're going to look at John chapter 2. This is kind of cool. I didn't realize it until this morning. It's John chapter 2 verses 12 through 17 and Matthew 21 verses 12 through 17. That's pretty cool. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure somebody who knows the charismatic number system will have some really deep revelation about, <laughs> about it. But I want us to read this together, and then I'm going to ask the Lord that 
he would order my words, keep me at peace. For those of you who know me, this is going to probably feel a little different than times I've spoken in the past. The title for the message is going to be Buy, Sell, or Draw. <laughs> and we're going to get into what that looks like. So, John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17, right? It says this, And after this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, his brothers, his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen, sheep, and doves, and the money changers, this is important, say seated. Okay, let's try that again. And this is important. The money changers say seated. seated. At their tables. Tables. That's interesting to me. I've read this story a bunch of times, and for some reason, the words seated at their tables kind of stood out. We'll probably touch on that in just a minute. And he made a scourge of cords and he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. Notice he didn't drive out the ones with the doves at this point. He's just driving out the sheep and the oxen at this point. And he <laughs> sheep and the oxen and he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned the tables. I really wanted to have like a giant bag of coins just for dramatic effects so you guys could see. Can you imagine going out to like, I don't know, River Fest or something where all those people have the vendors set up and you just you walk up to the turkey leg stand and just like dump their money out. I mean, it's pretty, and it's probably more intense than that. So he comes up and he's actually, this isn't, you know, creative poetry here. This actually happened. Jesus dumps out their money. He drove them out of the temple, the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables, and then he has a special little thing he does to the people with the doves. And to those who were selling doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Isn't that a beautiful and powerful thing to remember? That zeal for God's house would consume us. Pretty crazy story, right? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the, the differences between the animals and why, but I will. Uh, at first glance, it just appears to me that it's just different levels of people who could afford different things. If you could afford an oxen or a sheep, you had more money, but there was allowances made in the Old Testament. Like if you don't have a lot, a lot of money, you can, do, you can go for doves. It was almost like the Lord was like, you who are selling doves, you who are taking advantage of the poor, there was like an extra emphasis took, uh, shared or pointed to them. I'm going to read the next part and then we're going to compare the two stories and see what the Lord has for us. So flip over to Matthew chapter 21. And again, this is where, you know, chronologically, this is obviously a lot further along in Matthew than the story takes place in John. This is chapter 21, where John was chapter 2. 
so chapter 21, same verses, starting at verse 12, and we'll go through 17. And Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all those who were buying. Now, this is different. Did you hear that first word? Drove out all who were what? Buying. Whoa, anybody else's theology just get a little, get checked right then? Anybody? (laughs) They didn't mention anything about the people buying, but... How many of you have ever thought of that story? And they're like, oh man, them greedy sellers. Them greedy people. Jesus is going to show them sellers. He's going to flip the sellers table over. He's going to drive them sellers out. But Matthew says he's driving out not only the sellers, but he mentions the buyers also. Anybody ever notice that? Pretty cool. I'll explain why. Actually, it's kind of convicting, honestly. Buying and selling in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers. And the seats, say seats. Seats again, isn't that interesting? Seats of those who were selling doves. And again, he sets aside the doves again. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a robber's den. Now, this is beautiful. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. We'll say, came to him. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children, everyone say children. Isn't that a beautiful word? And the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. Isn't it interesting that the children were the ones shouting that beautiful phrase? And he said to them, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never heard? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, You have prepared praise for yourself. And he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany and he spent the night there. So I'm not going to get in here to debate theologically whether or not you think these happened at two different times or the same time. There are key things in both of these that are going to apply to us. So I just pray right now, if you're anything like me, you might have already checked out and you're probably Googling something right now. Which one is it? I got to be right. I got to know the answer. I got to, don't do that. Do that on your own time. Being right isn't that important, I promise. Ask my wife. <laughs> it is not that important. It very rarely happens and every time I think I am right or I enjoy the rightness, it's never nearly as sweet as I want it to be, <laughs> okay? So don't do that. Trek with me this morning for a few minutes. Buying, selling, and then there were those who were drawing near to Jesus. I feel like the Lord was showing me in the temple of that day, in the temple of this day, and even in the temple of our own relationship with Jesus, there are three approaches that he wanted me to highlight today. Those who come to buy. Those 
who have come to sell and those who come to draw near to the Lord. You've probably already put it together. The Lord drove out those who came to buy and sell. But what did he do to the ones who came to draw near? He, he welcomed them. He healed them. He touched them. They left changed forever. You see, what was happening was a Passover celebration. And how many of you know at the very first Passover, there were no people to go and buy and sell animals from. They had to bring their own. The very first Passover, I encourage you to look through this. I am by no means, I hope this is okay to say, I am by no means a Passover expert. But I've read the story and I've watched the Prince of Egypt and I've read <laughs> I know it's. I know it was different. Can I get an amen? Prince of Egypt to the house. <laughs> I know they were responsible to bring their own offering, and I'm pretty sure they actually had to like bring it into the house with them and let them hang out with them for a couple. And it was like you know the old rule. You know, especially if you live on a farm, don't name the pet, especially if it's edible. <laughs> Don't name the chicken. Don't name the pig. Don't name the cat. <laughs> Don't name the lamb, buddy. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, <laughs> it's going to help us remember some very powerful things, but don't, don't name them. So that was what's happening, and they have been doing that tradition for years and years and years. But something took place over time. Maybe they got busier. Maybe their 40-hour-a-week turned into a 60-hour-a-week. Maybe the TV got a little bigger and the hours that they watched it got a little longer. I don't know. But somewhere along the way, they got busy and they needed something that was more convenient. And people would travel in the days of, of Jesus. They would travel for miles and miles and miles. And somehow in the convenience that they needed, there came an apathy. And then there came a perversion. For these people that were coming to buy, and I'm not putting a blanket statement all over every single one of them, but there is historical proof that there were people and that the people of God, there's a reason why Jesus is driving them out. Because it was a good idea to come with a lamb. It was a good idea to come with an ox or a dove. It was a good idea to help you remember the power of what God had done and the setting them free from slavery and bondage and setting them into a course that would change their lives. But they had lost the idea. And, that, and this time there were people who would come full of immorality, full of idolatry, full of 
worshiping other gods, but they wanted to come and check something off the list. And they're like, hey, you know what? I, I can, I, if I just go there, I could probably get a good deal from one of these guys and just get, you know, get whatever I can. I can actually leave my, maybe even leave my good lamb at home, buy one of these lambs at the place and check something off my list so I can feel better and, and appease God and then go right back to my idolatry and go right back to my immorality and go right back to my way of dishonoring God with my lifestyle. There was a demand for convenience and there was a demand to help people feel better about themselves. They didn't come to draw near to God, they came so that they could do something to make themselves feel better about how they were living and then go right back to the way they were living. Does this sound like church at all? Does that sound like anything going on? I'm talking to myself right now. These people came buying, and there's a reason why Jesus and Matthew includes the people that were buying as people that he drove out. Because I believe that their hearts had gotten far from him. I believe that instead of drawing near to God in prayer, they were checking something off of their traditions of men, checklists to ease whatever they had going on so that they could be like, well, it says it right here in Exodus. It says it in Leviticus. All right, good. Check, check, good, done, good for another year. That is not what was the heart of God for what was taking place. When people came into the, when they entered the gates of this outer court, that was a place that, that was full of celebration and remembering the power and the wonders of God. And it, all of a sudden, it was no longer like that. It kind of looked like downtown Wilmington around Riverfest. It was loud. There was people bargaining. There was selling. There was, there was all this stuff going on. And it turned more into a clamorous, oh man, bad word just came on. I was going to say a blank show, but I shouldn't put that on the, on the podcast. It was this clamorous experience that was not celebratory and in, in, in praise in all of God. It had become this thing where I believe convenience snuck in. I believe apathy and indifference snuck in. And I believe a perversion of something very beautiful that God created has now lost, was, all, was now lost. And we see Jesus's response. You know, we always pray, Lord Jesus, come. We want your presence here. But we have to remember there's a good chance if he shows up, he might flip over our table. And if he shows up, he might flip over your chair. If he shows up, he might empty out some of the coins. And it's not because he's mean, it's because he's love. So let's talk about the people that were selling. I think the only reason why there were people that were selling, why that door got opened to them, because I don't think it has happened overnight. I don't think all of a sudden one day they woke up and were like, hey, we should set some tables and some chairs up, bring some animals and try to help the people out. I'm pretty sure I read a little bit, and it started out, they were actually outside when they, when they first started doing it. They were outside of the outer courts. They were out there, hey, I know you've come from a long way, 
they started seeing an, an opportunity to profit. They started seeing an opportunity. Hey, these people, man, I could just maybe make a little money and make it easier on these people. And I think over time, I was in downtown Hickory a couple weeks ago visiting our oldest son, Braxton, and there was an outdoor like market set up. And it was, I don't know why I was just drawn to it. You ever been to an outdoor market or actually bought or sold things there? But it was just amazing to watch these people like strategically putting up their tents, putting, getting their chairs, getting all their signs, you know, getting their cornhole boards out, getting the things that we're going to try to, hey, kids, are going to squirt, gun, you know, setting up all their stuff, trying to razzle and dazzle. I was watching this. I was like, man, this is amazing. These people are very passionate about selling items at this outdoor market right now. And I just kind of got that picture as I was reading this. The, the people were like, oh, man, it's Passover week, bro. We're going to get that good tent. <laughs> we're going to get them cushion chairs. We're going to bring the, oh, man, we're going we're gonna to make some bank this week. And I think what happened was because of the complacency and the apathy of the people, it opened a door for people to abuse the temple. It opened a door for people to abuse a place that was made for sacrifice and praise. And they weren't coming there to sacrifice or praise. They were coming there to profit. They were coming there to gain. They weren't going there to surrender. They were going there because I wrote notes down. It was actually kind of cool. They weren't going there to sell. I'm sorry, they were going there not to celebrate, but to sell. They weren't going there to give, but they were going there to get. They were going there to solicit and not sacrifice. And this is a word of warning. Many of us come to church and we have a need. I don't know, maybe we need our ego stroke. Maybe we need to have a place where we can show off our talents, our skills, or our gifts, and we're going there so we can be like, man, look at how good they are. Wow. And you're having this, you didn't come. I tell the worship team, when you step up here, this isn't a stage. I want you to see this as an altar, a place where you lay your lives down and you come and you serve your local church. When you're serving in hospitality, that's exactly what you're doing. You're serving it's not a place for you to come and sell and get. When we seek first the kingdom of God and we follow his ways, he says the way to be great is to serve. And in seeking his kingdom and in serving, all these things will be added unto us. I once heard, I once heard a preacher tell a story. He said, there was a man who came up to me. He said, brother, I've been a Christian for a while. You got anything for people advanced like me? You got any classes for some of the deep, deep things? He said, yeah, man, I do. And he walked him back down the hall, down another hall, to the back of the church, opened up a closet, just so it happened to be the janitor's closet, and handed him a broom. He said, if you want to be the greatest, I want you to serve. So whatever it is that we're doing here, we haven't come 
to sell. We have come to surrender. We haven't come to get. We have come to give. There are people who are going to the temple on that day. And the reason why is because there was a void. There was apathy and it created this thing. And I think in our church culture today, there are a lot of people who are filling a void that they need the extra passion of a, of a speaker. They need the book. They need the hype. They need this because they've lost something along the way. They've lost this drawing near to God because when we draw near, we actually find what we've been created for all along. So there are people in the temple that day who came to buy. And there are people who came to the temple that day to sell. But I want to look at a verse here in Matthew, verse 14. And it says, And the blind and the lame came to him. They drew near to the Lord. That's what we need. That is the heart of every believer. One of the words for praise in the Old Testament is the word and the action to draw near to him. And I think this is twofold. One, when we come here, when we gather together, when we meet at home group, is our heart, is it to draw near to him? Or we have this list of things. Oh, man, I, this, 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 this. I'm not saying your list isn't important. Your list is important to God. But the way your list gets checked off is by drawing near to him. Don't ever put your list above drawing near. Draw near and be together and watch what happens. I have to check my heart all the time on this. I am a father of four with bills. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> At any moment of any day, I could put my need for something over my need to draw near to the Lord. But I read here that those who came to Jesus, those who drew near to him, he healed them. More than an encouraging word, more than a new book or best-selling other, more than a new song, you need Jesus. You need his touch. You need his words. You need his life in you. We need a drawing near, a determination in our hearts. I'm drawing near to God. Psalm 42. Psalm 42 says this. Why, verse 5, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. How many of you know that the presence of God is the help that you need? 
How many of you know that the voice of God is the help that you need? How many of you know that when we gather together in his name, when two or more are gathering in his name, he is there in our midst. There's a lot of Christians who don't gather in his name. They gather in the name of, oh, I have this need and I have this. And, and, they, and they're, instead of being powerful in their prayer, they're kind of pathetic. Instead of being warriors in prayer, they're kind of wimpy. Let's gather together in his name. And he shows up. And he touches, and he heals, and he sets free, and he encourages. Get together and be in his name. Be determined like these people. It's so easy. It's so easy. I love jokes. We love jokes. And it's so easy to spend some of our Monday nights joking more than we pray. I'm just telling on us a little bit, and that's okay. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've got together like, oh, man, we only got 15 minutes to pray. Let's go really hard. <laughs> We're learning. We're growing. So my question before I, I close this out is the question I ask myself, which one am I? Most of the time, <laughs> if I come, do I come to the Lord? Do I come to church? Do I come to home group? Do I live my life as someone who just needs a quick, convenient pick-me-up because I've messed up or had a bad week? Do I come to church? Do I come to home group? Do I live my relationship with the Lord as someone who's just, man, I just, I just really need to be recognized. I really need a pat on the back. I really just... Uh, I just need somebody to tell me how great I am. Have I come to get or have I come to give? Have I come to celebrate? Have I come to surrender? Have I come to serve or to be served? Or am I like the lame and the blind who no matter how talented I think I am, no matter how busy my life gets, no matter how chaotic or things go wrong, no matter how hot it gets in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning, I am determined. There is a determination in me to draw near to the one who is my source. To draw near to the one whose presence is a help to me. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that Jesus touches and he heals and he seeks and he saves the lost. Do not get away from how you started this thing into a works mentality of buying and selling. Stay drawing near for the rest of your life until your dying breath purpose in your heart. Call out to God, God, give me grace that I would be drawing near to you every day of my life. That I would be drawing near to you because I know it is your presence that is a help to me. How can I help and encourage other people to draw near to you, God? Ask yourself that question this week. Allow the Holy Spirit in. 
How many of you know conviction is sweet? I love the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's never meant to shame you. That's all I have today. Let's just pray together. Can we stand? I just want to pray over us that there would just be a diligence to draw near to him every day in every aspect of our lives, personally, corporately, as mothers, as fathers, as husbands, as wives, as sons, as daughters. Lord Jesus, we declare, like the psalmist said, we will praise you again because your presence is a help to us. We draw near to you like the lame and the blind, and we shout out like the children, Hosanna to the son of David. We need your touch. Come, Lord, touch us. We draw near to you in prayer. We draw near to you in praise. We draw near to you in all of our ways, Lord. We acknowledge you. We acknowledge you, God. I'm asking right now that anywhere that that fire has been dwindled because of busyness or inconvenience or idolatry, God, that you would reignite that flame in your people. Give us the courage to turn off the TV, God. Give us the courage to chase after you harder than we chase after money. God, give us the strength to follow you and everywhere that you go and everywhere you tell us to live. It's only by your grace that we can do this, God. And we know that you give us grace. We know that you draw near to the humble. So we humbly ask, Lord, that there would be a persistent longing and drawing near to you all the days Make this personal, Lord, that I would draw near to you all the days of my life. Lord, that I would not allow inconvenience or busyness or idolatry to dwindle my fire and my passion for you, God. Let me experience afresh your love for me, the refreshing of your grace and your power in my life, God. I need it. I cannot live without it. I will not go unless your presence is with me. There is no plan B. Jesus, you are my all and all. And we thank you for your touch. We thank you for the touch of grace on our lives. We thank you for the touch of healing. We thank you for the touch of forgiveness of all of our sin. We thank you for the touch of cleansing on our lives. We thank you for the touch of freedom. I thank you that you set us free. It is a privilege to draw near, Lord. May those words mark the rest of our lives that we would draw near to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.